All right, good evening, CTK. Thanks. Um, if I don't know you, or you don't know me, uh, my name is Steven. I'm the operations manager for CTK, and I'm the wannabe deacon. So ordination process is grinding along, but it is making progress. So uh, if you're interested in, in how that is or what's going on with that, uh, see me afterwards. I'm, I would love to tell you all about it. All right, so we're two weeks away from the first Sunday in Advent, which means we're six weeks away from Christmas Day. So, yeah, Christmas Day. Christmas Day, the day we celebrate the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Or as we say in the, the Apostles' Creed, that's the day that he was born of the Virgin Mary. And after that happened... After God gave us the greatest gift of all time, the whole world now celebrates a season of gifts and giving kind of centered around Christmas. And so as we approach that season, it just seems pretty appropriate that we would have a message about giving. And so this message is going to be about giving. Now, this isn't going to be about giving Christmas gifts in particular. Um, it's going to be more about generally giving. And it's not one of those messages where I try and guilt you guys into giving more to CTK. Because, frankly, you're doing very well at that. So just continue as you've been. So this is more about uh, an attitude of giving and giving in God's economy and what God sort of looks at when people give. And how he, I don't want to say judges that gift, but it's kind of how he judges the gift and the giver. Um, and in our scripture lessons today, we get a pretty good lesson, right? We get, we get to see the rich, and we get to see a widow. And hopefully, we'll take some lessons from the widow's giving um, and incorporate that into our lives. Um, but before we do that, uh, let's pray. And I hope, uh, hopefully, if you're listening to our prayers, this one is going to be very familiar to you. Blessed Lord who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant us to hear them, read them, mark them, learn them, and inwardly digest them, that we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Okay, now... Um, before we get to the actual scripture, I want to do two things. The first thing I want to do is lay out three principles that I hope you'll be able to see in the widow's giving. Uh, and then I want to do one other thing, which we'll get to in just a second. So three principles. First principle, the value of a gift is not in the amount given, but the cost to the giver. Okay, value is not in the amount given, it's the cost to the giver. Second principle, the measure of a gift is not how much is given, but how much is retained. So not how much is given, but how much is retained. And third, it's not the number of coins that go in, it's a matter of the heart. Right? So those are three principles. Keep, please keep those in mind, and, uh, and we'll we hopefully will see something about that uh, from the widow. So now here's the second thing I want to do. I've been dying to do this for a very long time, probably since 16 January. 
The word used, translated giving, or put in, or cast, in this scripture is balantas. And it is a present active accusative masculine plural participle of balo, cast in or throw down. Whew, okay. So that really, ha- that really has nothing to do with the sermon or the message. <laughs> just been so long since I parsed a Greek verb in public. I just wanted to do it. I've done it. Unglaze your eyes and we'll move right along. All right. Luke, read with me, Luke 21, 1 through 4. Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. And he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. And he said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them, for they contribute out of their abundance, and she put out of her poverty all that she had to live on. So now... This story is actually told in Mark to also, Mark 12, 41 through 44, and he had some more details. So if you want to get a fuller picture of what was happening here, um, you can read Mark's scripture, uh, gospel too. So now I want to give you a little background about uh, the scene. So this story takes place in the temple in Jerusalem, probably in the women's court, the, the place where women and children were allowed to go. And... Um, in a place probably called the Gazophilakion. Anybody heard of the Gazophilakion? No. That's the Greek word for treasury. And it's a place in the women's court um, where they collected uh, the donations and things. Because the temple, it just wasn't a place for worship and sacrificing. It was actually the place where a vast amount of wealth was collected and administered from. And so that was probably the place where this was uh, going on. And this giving that the widow and the rich people were doing was probably very public. That is, there was probably a priest in the place where they were putting their donations. And that priest would inspect the donation to make sure that it was okay, either to sacrifice or offer or to go into the offering. And then often he would announce what was being given. So the rich people given their vast amounts of wealth, somebody was there going, ah, this person gave, you know, a thousand shekels. And also this person gave two leptra or two small copper coins. So, uh, so that's where, that's the temple. So now, here's the thing about the temple also. If you, if you remember, the 12 tribes of Israel, when they came into the promised land, all of them got a piece of the promised land, right? They all got a little place to settle, except who? The Levites. The Levites got no land. The priests, what did they get? They got the temple. They got to administer and operate the temple. So when the wealth was coming in, who was getting the wealth? The Levites. The Levites were getting the wealth. If you read a description of the temple at this time, um, you'll probably notice that it was very, very opulent. The doors, those huge doors were covered in gold. All of the utensils that were used for the sacrifices and the offerings, they were gold. All the linens that the priests wore were very expensive linens. 
And then there was expensive wood. There was expensive stones and gems decorating uh, the temple. So it was a very opulent place. It was so opulent that the disciples marveled at it, and they mentioned it to Jesus. As they were leaving, Mark records this. He said, God, look at this place. It is so great. That's when Jesus said, there will come a day when no stone will be left standing on this temple. And they're all like, oh, man, looking around going, no, I don't think so. Okay, so besides its physical opulence, all of the taxes, all the dues, all the offerings, all the donations, all the gifts were also kept in there. And they were administered from that place. And all of the power and status and wealth that comes with that was due to certain Levites. I'm sure you've heard of one of them, the chief priest. Right, Caiaphas, I think it was Caiaphas at this time. He was very powerful. He's very influential. Have you heard of the Gazophylax? Gazophylax sounds like a Dr. Seuss uh, character. Nope. Gazophylax was the guy responsible for administering all of that wealth. And his power, even though you've probably never heard of him, his power in Israel rivaled the chief priest. He got to make a lot or input a lot of the decisions that were made okay so here we go this is the picture you got all these rich people coming into the temple bringing massive wealth lots of wealth there was a person announcing that's how jesus and his disciples knew what was going in announcing it and into their midst comes this poor widow and the word luke uses penicheron is poor and needy so she's very, she's one of the most vulnerable. In scripture, the fatherless and the widows are some of the most vulnerable in society. And so here she was. She was coming in to give her uh, offering. So lots and lots and lots. And then you get this two leptra offering. Two leptra, that's one one hundredth of the daily wage. Aleptra is the smallest currency in Israel at the time. And two of them, some people think, was the minimum legal offering you could give. So you go up to the priest and hand him the two leptra, and he goes, yep, two leptra, and then you put it in. So compared to the rich who are giving lots and lots and lots of money, this probably doesn't seem like it was very much of a gift. In fact, I don't think it did anything to the balance in the treasury. I don't think the treasury knew if that was in there or not, knew if the widow had made a donation, didn't make a donation. It didn't have any impact on them. And yet, Jesus looked up from where he was, and in the hearing of all the crowds and his disciples said, truly I tell you, this poor widow put in more than all of those rich people because she gave out of her poverty when they gave out of her abundance. So I'm thinking, okay, let's look at the principles. If we look at the first principle, which was the value of a gift is not in the amount given, but the cost to the giver, I think you can see the rich gave out of their abundance. That, that, that means it didn't cost them very much. It didn't put much in their bank, big dent in their bank account or anything like that. In fact, probably when they went home, it was not going to make a difference to their quality of life, the food they had, any of the things in their house. 
Whereas the widow, it says she gave out of her poverty all that she had to live on. And that word bios means literally everything needed to sustain her life. So she put in those two leptra, everything she needed out of her poverty. And I, I was just thinking, why didn't she just put in one leptra? Save a little leptra for some food. Don't know. Okay, second principle. The measure of the gift is not how much is given, but how much is retained. I think you can see these, these principles are sort of interrelated. So the rich, how much did they retain? Well, I'm thinking that probably they retained more than they gave in. That when they went home again, there was going to be plenty for them to live on. But the widow, she gave everything that she had to live on. So when she went home, there's no bank account, there's no 401k, there's no nothing for her to live on. And where the next meal or where the next leptra was coming from for her doesn't say, and she probably didn't know, because she put in everything. Last principle is not the number of coins, but the matter of the heart. So we have to make a little few deductions about the rich. I'm thinking it's within the realm of possible that the rich were there giving either out of some sense of obligation to the temple or because it was public, they might be getting some sort of gratification from the crowds of people in the temple hearing how much they put in when the priest announced it and getting you know, that adulation from the crowds. Whereas the widow, she had to have a different heart because no one in the crowd was going to say anything about her donation positive. There was not going to be any gratitude. There's not going to be any adulation. There's no admiration for the two leptra that she put in. And she put in everything, trusting not in the treasury, but in the God that she gave that gift to, to maintain her lifestyle and her life after that. So, three principles, the widow giving. So, here's a question for us. How does our attitude to giving measure up to this story? Are we more like the rich or are we more like the poor widow? And if we're more like the rich, how can we not be? And if we're more like the poor widow, how can we be more like her in, in the future? So, now if you were here a few weeks ago and you heard a sermon that I happened to give, I mentioned in there that in Bible stories, it's good to identify with a character, or at least I identify with the character. I try to identify with one of them. And I like to be the hero. I like to be the good guy. I like to be the one that gets commended. I like all that kind of stuff. I don't like to be the bad guy. So now in this, in this story, it's kind of easy to figure out who the good guy is and who the, if not bad guys, at least not the real good guy. And what I said at the end, towards the end of my sermon was, you have to really be careful and realistic about who you identify with in this story. Because I can tell you this, in the global economy here, lots of us 
would be considered rich, not poor, even though we want to identify with the poor. I want to identify with the, with the widow. <laughs> I, want to be, I want to have a giving heart like that. But it's time for a little true confession. So I just want to say this is before I did this message, before I prepared it. Um, so the other day, I went into King Super. And there was a young man at the door of King Supers. And he asked me if I had some change for him. So now yay for me. I had some money in my wallet which I don't normally have, but, and I said, oh, yeah, I do. I reach right for my wallet. Really good so far, right? Yes, very good. Opened up my wallet, there was my money. Had a 20, and I had some ones. And uh, the 20 was the first thing I saw. And uh, I said, not 20. He doesn't need 20. I, I might need 20. 20 is too much. I'm keeping the 20, putting it back in, I'm going to give him something else. But it's my money, and it's good that I'm even just giving him something. So I gave him the ones. He was very happy. Uh, he said, God bless you, and made me feel really good. Went into King Super, came out. He was gone. I was looking around. I forgot about it. I forgot about the whole thing until I was preparing this message. <laughs> yeah. And then I was the, hmm, three principles of giving. Not the amount, what it costs you. Uh, not the amount, how much you retained. Mm, it's a matter of the heart. Huh. Yeah, ow. Classic, epic fail. And I, and I didn't even think about it afterwards until this, until this time. And then I was like, how am I going to stand up in front of the church and tell them this? A, I could not tell them. figured I would tell you. So look, it's a matter of the heart. And look, I'm not saying, this is not what I'm saying. Don't, don't hear this. I'm not saying that every time somebody asks you for money, you should open your wallet up and empty it out. That is not what I'm saying. If it were that easy or that simple, it would be great. So I'm not saying that. But I'm also not saying that. So here's the deal. What I found I had to do, and what I hope you find you have to do, is examine your heart. And then, let, be open to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit prompts you, do your best to obey what the Holy Spirit says. The Holy Spirit might say, give them everything in your wallet. The Holy Spirit might say, don't give them anything. Or the Holy Spirit might say, but do something completely different than this, but help him out some other way. Um, do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do. From a place that you've examined your heart in light of the, what, I've, what I've laid out as the three principles of giving. Okay. Now, because I'm your wannabe deacon, and I don't want you to leave here with a completely very low opinion of my character, Sorry. Here's what happened. I was sitting at my desk. I was preparing. I came up with these three. You know, I discerned I have these three principles. And I got to the end of the three principles, writing them out. And I went, Man, just the other day, 
I was at King Supers, and I was an epic fail here. I stunk at this. What am I going to do? So here's what I did. I laid my pencil down. I laid the paper down. I got up from my desk, got the $20 out of my wallet, and I went and got in my car and drove to King Supers. Now, this would be a great story if that guy was still right there. (laughs) And I could hand it to him, but it wasn't. Wouldn't you know it, he wasn't there. And on every corner that there's normally a person asking for money, there were none. (laughs) So I was driving around. (laughs) Fine, okay, fine. Story ends well. Finally, I I pull up to this corner, and there is a a young woman um, there. And uh, she has this tiny little sign. And she comes up to my, I roll down my window, and I guess that's the symbol, right? That's the signal. And she comes up. She goes, can you read my sign? I'm like, no, I can't read your sign. But here. And I handed her the 20, you know, I handed her the $20. And she took it. She was overjoyed. And she said, uh, uh, my friend is going to be so proud of me. I'm like, uh, imaginary friend? No. Your friend. Yep, this is the first day I'm homeless. This is the first day I've ever been able to do this, that I've gotten up the courage to stand on a street corner and ask for money. And that... That lady literally danced away from the car. And I was like, rolling up my window going, thank you, Lord. That was a great lesson. That was a hard lesson, but it was a great lesson. So so here's in conclusion of this message. I pray that we at CTK, as a community and as individuals, would be more like that widow than the rich. Because we all have an abundance. And when we give, we should keep those three principles in mind. It's what it costs us. It's what we retain. And it's the matter of what our heart is doing while we're giving. So, let's pray. Because that was the end of the sermon. (laughs) Lord, thank you for scripture. And thank you for the lesson of the widow. Adjust our hearts that our gifts would be pleasing to you. And as you told us through the prophet Malachi, let our gifts put you to the test and see if you will not open the windows of heaven for us and pour down blessings until there is no more need in our lives or the lives of the church. In Jesus' name, amen.